Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trader here with you. And guess what, folks? Yes, I can get used to this. We have another victory Monday. The Giants upsetting the Seattle Seahawks 17 to 12 out there in Lumen Field in Seattle. The Giants weren't supposed to do it, but hey, they didn't get the memo and they went and they did it. They upset the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, best of all, folks, the Giants remain in first place in the NFC East. And with the Eagles losing, they the Giants were actually able to put a little space between themselves and the Eagles. Now, we'll, of course, wait and see what happens with Washington, who I believe was um, right up there with the Giants. But again, the Giants do have the tiebreaker. But hey, it would be cool if the, if the uh, Washington football team loses their game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That'll just give the Giants a little bit more breathing room uh, atop of the NFC East. So yes, four games won in a row now, the first time since 2016. Giants are in first place and we're going to talk about it. We're going to we're going to talk about some of the the good. We're going to talk about a couple of bad things, but pretty much we're going to talk giant football the way it was meant to be talked about. And uh, this episode is brought to you in part by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch the season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content only from Pepsi. All right, folks, let's talk about this game, shall we? And I think we've got to start with the Giants defense and the job this unit did on Russell Wilson, on DK Metcalf, on uh, Carlos Hyde, on Chris Carson, all those guys. The Giants defense just clamped down with a hammer and did not let them hurt them. So let's let's take a look at um, some of what the Giants did. Okay, so I figured the Giants would have James Bradbury maybe, maybe cover Tyler Lockett. That was not the case. Bradbury ended up covering mostly uh, DK Metcalf, who caught five out of eight pass targets for only 80 yards and a long of 21. So you're really not talking those big chunk plays that Metcalf is known for making, which can put a dent in a team's uh, in a team's defense. Um, Lockett caught six out of nine passes. For 63 yards, he was covered in part by Isaac Yadam. Um, I saw Darnay Holmes on him a couple times. And um, again, the two big receivers that this team has, they, they didn't hurt the Giants. Um, the only one to catch a touchdown pass was Chris Carson, the running back, who, by the way, rushed for 13 yards on 65 carries. Now, what did the Giants defense do? Well, the thing that they do every week, and they do it so well at this point, 
is they disguise what they are running. And there were times when you, you know, when you were watching the game unfold, you could see Russell Wilson was holding on to the ball a little longer maybe than what he ordinarily would do because he just wasn't sure of what he was seeing. He didn't trust his eyes. And sure enough, the Giants, they, you know, they were moving all over the place. That yes defense moving all over the place. And they confused him. And uh, Russell Wilson's final stats, 27 out of 43, 263 yards. He was sacked five times. He was uh, hit, actually, 10 times by the by the Giants' defense. So 10 of those hits went, uh, I'm sorry, 5 of those 10 hits went for sacks. Russell Wilson also threw an interception. And uh, he basically looked like a, a, a pedestrian type of quarterback. I mean, his passer rating, 78.0, wasn't all that much better than what Colt McCoy logged at 67.4. So the Giants took him out of uh, out of that loop, and his long pass was 28 yards, and it was all due to um, the, the the brilliance of the disguising that just opened guys up. I mean, you saw twists, you saw stunts, you saw guys that were dropping back into coverage that you thought were going to come at you, and um, we have to talk about the job Leonard Williams did. Uh, Leonard Williams, who I know was a, a lightning rod for criticism because of the trade, Leonard Williams came up with two and a half sacks. He now has a career high of eight and a half. Leonard Williams had five quarterback hits, five of them, two tackles for a loss out of, and three total tackles. That's just an amazing showing by Leonard Williams. Uh, potentially, that could be NFC. Uh, defensive player of the week award worthy. So we'll see if he gets that honors. It, it would not surprise me if he does. We'll find that out if he does on Wednesday. But um, just the other impressive thing with this Giants defense, and this continues to amaze me, is how Patrick Graham, no matter who he's got to work with, he makes them look so good by his schemes and what he asks them to do. You know, I was on uh, the Locked On NFL podcast on Sunday night, and I rattled off some names. You know, Nico Lalos, for example, uh, Austin Johnson, Devontae Downs, Jabal Shared, um, guys that aren't household names, and they're all stepping in there. They're all making plays when given the opportunity. And that's what makes this defense so amazing. You know, think about it. Patrick Graham lost um, his. He had a revolving door at at, at uh, cornerback number two, and he's got Isaac Yadam playing well. He doesn't have his uh, four pass rushers that he went into the season, the start of the season with, and he was able to to generate, like I said, ten quarterback hits and five sacks. I mean, amazing, absolutely amazing, and. You know, you've heard me talk about coaching and how that makes such a difference. And folks, you are seeing why that makes such a difference. Patrick Graham, brilliant job. And uh, I'll tell you right now, when I get to vote at the end of the year for the postseason honors, Patrick Graham's getting my vote for assistant of the year. No, no doubt about it. So, all right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, 
more on the Giants' win over the Seattle Seahawks. Stay with us. Hey, Giant fans. I want to tell you about DoorDash a food delivery service that I find myself using a lot of these days when I'm so busy that I barely have time to do anything other than write. Well, when it's mealtime and me or my husband, well, when it's mealtime and my husband and I get hungry, all we do is we fire up our DoorDash app and from there we can order whatever it is we are craving from the safety and security of our home. And best of all, DoorDash's professional delivery drivers make sure that whatever we order, it gets to us quickly as possible so that we can enjoy a fresh, hot meal just as if we were dining in at the restaurant. With DoorDash's app, everything is done electronically, and I can specify contactless delivery of my order. I can also track the order in real time so that we can get the table set for any number of meals from our local favorite restaurants. So take it from me, if you're a busy person who doesn't have time to stop to whip up a meal, DoorDash is for you. And right now, as a listener to Locked on Giants podcast, you can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code Locked On at checkout. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code Locked On. That's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. DoorDash, bringing you what you crave. Hey, New York Giant fans. This is Patricia Traina, host of the Locked On Giants podcast. And I'm here to tell you a little bit about my new book, The Big 50, New York Giants, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. This book is a comprehensive collection of stories and events highlighting some of the most memorable moments in the New York Giants franchise history, including unforgettable moments like the four Super Bowls, the Eli Manning trade, the greatest game ever played, the transformation of head coach Bill Parcells, Lawrence Taylor, Harry Carson, and so many more. The book also takes you behind the scenes on some of the franchise's changing moments, such as the fumble, the passings of Wellington Mara and Bob Tisch, the final farewell of the old Giants Stadium, and so much more. Featuring 50 chapters and over 300 pages of rich storytelling and detail complete with loads of photos, this paperback will transport you back in time to the memories as they unfolded and give you a look behind the scenes at some of the men who made them happen. With a foreword written by former general manager Ernie Accorsi, the Big 50 New York Giants is a must-have for every New York Giants fan. So be sure to pick up your copy today at Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or wherever else books are sold. And thank you for your support. Welcome back, Giant fans, to segment two of Locked on Giants. We're doing a Victory Monday, and I don't know about you, but I could get used to this, folks. I really can. And this is just an absolute joy to be able to go through the game book and pick out statistics that just pop out at you and illustrate not just, you know, what they did in the game, but a bigger picture item, such as what I'm going to talk about next. But before I do, Twitter Tuesday, tomorrow, you know, uh, we had a great Twitter Tuesday last week. Let's make this week's even better. So get your questions into me. Send them to ask P-train, I'm sorry, ask 
you want to tag them, ask P train. You want to uh, send them to me at Patricia underscore trainer or mail them to me at locked on giants podcast at gmail.com. Sorry for the, for the tongue twisting folks. I'm taping this late on a, on Sunday night after the game. So you have this podcast available to you, uh, first thing on Monday. All right. So I mentioned, um, a bigger picture type of deal. And I want to talk about the Giants running game. Now, in the first half of the game, the Giants ran the ball 11 times for 32 yards, 2.6, I'm sorry, 2.9 yards per carry. And I'm just looking real quick here. The Giants basically had the time of possession 1345. So they basically ran the ball a lot. And the Seahawks, as I suspected would be the case, tried to shut down the Giants' run and make the Giants and Colt McCoy beat him, beat them with his arm. So what did the Giants do? Well, they went into the locker room at halftime and they made a couple of quote-unquote minor adjustments, that being Joe Judge's words. And guess what, folks? The adjustments they made worked. And I'm going to tell you what they did and I'm also going to point out a bigger picture thing. The, what the Giants did in the second half is they ran more jumbo packages. So they had, for example, an extra tight end on the field. They had uh, a couple plays where uh, Shane Lemieux lined up as a fullback and, and Eli Penny was, was in the backfield. They, they just, they did more power running. And that was able to beat the heck out of the Seattle uh, defensive front and wear them down. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, if you look at Wayne Gallman's 60-yard run up the sideline, Caden Smith threw a key block at the second level, which basically sprung Gallman for a good, I want to say, 15 or 20 additional yards that he might not have otherwise gotten. And the running game, when it was all said and done, Gallman finished with 135 yards on 16 carries. That's an 8.4 yard average per carry. And of course, the long of 60. Uh, that 135 is Gallman's highest. It's a career high. It's also his first 100 yard game. Altogether, the Giants ran for 190 yards, 31 carries, a 6.1 average, and one rushing touchdown. That coming from Alfred Morris. Now, I want to mention a bigger picture scenario here because there was something that went on that I think is worth mentioning. And I talk, again, this is about the coaching and how much I love this staff. And I know probably you're getting sick of me saying that, but I'm going to say it because it's just true. Back with previous staffs, if the Giants tried to run the ball and the opponent shut them down, how many times can we recall previous staffs abandoning the run and going strictly to the passing game? Probably a lot. And it was a big complaint I know I had about the previous staff where, you know, they would get the running game going and it would work and then they would get away from it and they would go to the passing game because, heck, the passing game, you know, that West Coast offense, let's show off the passing game. Well, guess what? This coaching staff doesn't play that game, homies. No, this coaching staff went into the locker room, looked at why things weren't working, and instead of abandoning the run, they came back with a solution 
They figured out how to make it work and they made it work. All right. That's the difference between a great coaching staff and just a collection of guys who know football. And that is just another reason why I absolutely love this staff. You know, they, they, Joe Judge after the game said that their game plan was to run the ball, which again, took some of the onus off of, of Colt McCoy and, and the passing game. And the Seahawks blessed them. They tried to, to take it away from the Giants, but the Giants weren't having it. And uh, that run game was a huge, huge difference in the Giants' uh, win over the Seahawks. I'm just looking real quick at the time of possession. The Giants in the third quarter fell... Uh, this actually the Seahawks beat the Giants in terms of uh, time of possession, seven thirty-one to seven twenty-nine. No big deal, but the Giants in the fourth quarter had the ball eight thirty-five to uh, Seattle six twenty-five. So that's that run game, folks. By running the the clock down and grinding it away, they kept Russell Wilson and that offense basically off the field and wore down that defense, which had its issues. So just a brilliant, brilliant approach by the coaching staff. Just, you know, kudos to them for sticking with what they wanted to do and not letting the uh, the, the Seahawks dictate to them what they wanted the Giants to do. All right, folks, we're going to take one last break. When we come back, a couple more thoughts on the Giants' 17-12 win over the Seattle Seahawks. Stay with us. Have you tried the all-new and improved Built Bar? If not, you're missing out on one of the industry's healthiest and tastiest snack treats that's loaded with protein and low on sugar. With 18 different flavors, including nut and non-nut variety, you'll enjoy healthy snacks covered in 100% chocolate that's soft and easy to chew and, most importantly, great for the health conscious. Built Bars are great for folks on the keto diet and include protein and fiber nutrients you need without the exorbitant calories. And use the code LOCKEDON at checkout to save $10 off your next purchase. Visit BuiltBar.com to check out their amazing offering of flavors and put your customized box together. And don't forget, use the code LOCKEDON at checkout to save $10 off your order. That's BuiltBar.com. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and this is segment three of our Victory Monday. And I can get used to this. I really can. This is fantastic. There's just so much to cover. And, uh, you know, I could probably do easily an hour show on something like this. But got to keep the shows, you know, within reasons. Because uh, I'm sure most of you saw the game, so I don't want to, you know, reiterate too deeply into what what the observations were but let's talk about Colt McCoy um, who stepped in for the Giants with Daniel Jones on the sideline now to no one's surprise Colt McCoy let it 
I'm sorry, Joe Judge actually let it slip that uh, Daniel Jones was basically lobbying to play this week, you know, saying that he was going to gut it out and go through, you know, the game and, and deal with any pain and whatnot. And Judge basically put the foot down and said, nope, you're sitting, you know, be smart about this. So Colt McCoy took over and, and, you know, credit to Daniel Jones, by the way, for helping Colt McCoy prepare for this because, you know, Daniel could have very easily pouted or carried on and he didn't he he did what was in the best interest of the team which is what joe judge wants but let's talk about mccoy 13 of 22 100 105 yards took two sacks threw a touchdown and had an interception now the interception was one of those tip balls that evan ingram got a, a hand on unfortunately he tipped it and the defender came down with it um unfortunate but it it happens um a little too much when it comes to ingram which i think was one of the warts in today's game but uh nonetheless it didn't hurt the giants because the the seahawks i don't think were able to capitalize on it but colt mccoy let's get back to him for a second here some of what colt mccoy did in this game isn't going to show up on the stat sheet and i want to talk about what he did specifically on the Giants' last drive, because there were t- there were a couple of good plays that he made, which, you know, people, when they look for, you know, a turning point, this can potentially be your turning point. With uh, 6.09 left in the fourth quarter, the Giants got the ball back, and they they had, after three plays, they had a third and five at their own 30. And McCoy made a great throw to Ingram for six yards, which got them the first down. All right, so now, as everybody knows, when you're in that, that position and you're trying to protect a lead, you know, the, uh, the Seahawks had just made it a five-point game on the possession before with uh, Russell Wilson connecting with Chris Carson for 28-yard touchdown. So when you're in that position, you're the Giants, you want to run out the clock. And, and the way to do that is to keep converting on – and getting a fresh set of downs. Well, Colt McCoy did that. After converting that third down play, um, he had a running play with Wayne Gallman, and then he had a second and long from the Giants 39, connected on a deep pass to Darius Slayton for 14 yards. I think that was Slayton's only reception, if I'm not mistaken, uh, of the game. All right, so that gave the Giants another set. Of first of uh, fresh downs, so then the Giants, you know, they they went through first down, second down. They had a th- another third and five. This one from the Seahawks forty-two, and unfortunately, um, McCoy wasn't able to connect with Sterling Shepard on this particular one, and the Giants had to punt it away. But here's why this is so significant, and why if you're looking for like a turning point, this could be you know one of the candidates. If the Giants don't make that first third down that came at 524 and they have to punt it away, the Seahawks, who had all three of their timeouts, plus the um, the, the two-minute warning, would have had roughly, let's say, about five minutes left in the game to score, uh, to potentially score a go-ahead uh, touchdown or or whatnot and it would have cost them obviously um the the game 
if they had had that much time. And look, you you just your objective is to keep Russell Wilson off the field, and that's what the Giants did. And those throws by McCoy were instrumental. So by the time Russell Wilson did get the ball back, it was one forty-eight. The two-minute warning had had uh, elapsed. Um, the the Seahawks saved, I think, their timeouts, if I'm not mistaken. I think at that point they had two left in the game. Um, and, you know, the Seahawks, they started to march downfield. They got the ball at their 20, and they got as far as the Giants' 46 before Leonard Williams came swooping in with another sack, an eight-yard loss, which knocked the Seahawks back um minus eight yards so they went back to their own 46 as opposed to the Giants 46 and Russell Wilson facing a fourth and 18 put up a Hail Mary uh James Bradbury broke it up BJ Hill managed to get um a, a hit against Wilson game over folks 48 seconds left game over and then it was just up to the Giants to really kneel out the clock and that was a really, really big sequence right there because, again, you give Russell Wilson four minutes or so of game, of game time, your odds of him coming back are pretty, pretty good. Even as well as the Giants' defense was playing, it's just not something you want to you wanna go with. Okay, uh, one last thing I want to mention, and this isn't really, you know, I don't want to end the show necessarily on a down note, but... I have to I have to mention it. What is going on with special teams? I mean, the Giants special teams had uh they had a blocked punt which rolled out of the back of the end zone. Thank goodness it wasn't recovered. It almost was recovered, but it rolled out of the back of the Giants end zone and went for a safety. Not sure what happened there. I've got to look at the tape, but that was really disappointing. Um the Giants had no punt return yardage because uh, one punt was uh, down. Let's see, two were out of bounds. Two went for a touchback, and the kickoff returns two touch two touchbacks, one return by Deion Lewis for twenty three yards. Just not a, a very good showing by the special teams for the second week in a row, and um, you know to be a fly on the wall. When Joe Judge goes into that meeting room, and you know he's going to go in there, folks. You know he's going to have some choice words for the Giants special teams because, look, this is two weeks in a row now that they nearly cost the Giants a game. And this can't continue. They're better than that. And I'm curious to see what they end up changing, if anything. And uh, how they fix this going forward. Because, uh, like I said, they are much, much better than that. And for the second week in a row, they just weren't effective. So it's unfortunate. But, hey, all's well that ends well. The Giants win 17-12. They are in first place. I can't say that enough. Oh, my gosh. It's been so long since I've been able to say that. So pardon me if I sound giddy. So anyway, that'll do it, folks, for this show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the game and the Victory Monday. And don't forget, get those questions into me for Twitter Tuesday. We had a really good mailbag last week. Let's have another good one this week. Again, send them to at Patricia underscore Trina with the hashtag AskPTrain. 
or you can email them to me at LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. Folks, until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day.